Welcome to episode 33 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McKay. Thanks for rocking with us once again. You can find me on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. That's at DMAC underscore LA. All news related to the Get More Sports Podcast. You're going to find right over there. But on today's jam-packed episode of the Get More Sports Podcast, once again, we've got topics on topics on topics. And we're going to get things kicked off with a little reaction to the MLB trade deadline. Major League Baseball's hard deadline. Give you some thoughts on that. Give you some thoughts on we're going to switch gears, talk some hoops today. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony. And then we're going to end the show with some eSports, okay? Remember, it's the Get More Sports podcast. And you're going to know about all the sports, including eSports, because I don't want to, I don't want to hear anything that esports is not a sport, okay? Because yesterday, Ben Buga, the Fortnite champion, he won the Fortnite World Cup. If you don't know Fortnite, this game is taking over the planet, okay? This game is big time. He wins three million dollars. I love it. The first tournament he ever won, he got a hundred dollars for that. And then yesterday, he wins three million dollars. So hey, mom, dad, all that time spent. This is a real sport. This is a kid. He wakes up early in the morning and warms up his fingers, all that cool stuff. We're going to tell you about that in a little bit. But we're going to get things kicked off with the MLB trade deadline. Now, the MLB trade deadline, it was the first of its kind. It was a July 31st hard deadline. There was a lot of anticipation, a lot of expectations, and it was underwhelming. Okay, It did not live up to the hype at all whatsoever. Yes, there were some moves that were made, but other than that, yes, Zach Granke really headlined it, really without Zach Granke, without the Zach Granke acquisition by the Houston Astros, the whole thing would have been just a complete snore fest, but really you had teams like the Dodgers, teams like the Yankees that stood pat, didn't make any very aggressive moves, and we're going to see what happens and what the results will be come playoff times because the Astros, that could pay major dividends for the Houston Astros. But as far as the deadline itself goes, it was crickets, okay? I'm watching on MLB. You had Tom Verducci. You had Harold Reynolds. You had all those guys sitting there just waiting and anticipating big moves that were going to be made. And really, there was nothing that really transpired that really excited fans. And that really is one of the issues I have. Look, you look at the NBA, okay? That is the model. That is the status quo. The Major League Baseball, the demographic between... 18 and 35, it's the NBA right now, okay? It's the NBA, it's the NFL, and Major League Baseball says, hey, we're going to push this deadline back to July 31st, have a hard deadline. Maybe that influences teams. Maybe that is, is the springboard that gets deals to be made, but really you didn't see very many deals. I mean, look, the NBA to me, it's like watching Breaking Bad, okay? This trade season, the free agency, it's like Breaking Bad. Every episode you're on pins and needles. You don't know what's going to happen next. The MLB trade line was like watching C-SPAN blindfolded on mute, Okay, it was boring. There was really nothing exciting that happened. You didn't have very many big names moved. Yes, Zach Granke is a solid, a great, he's a nice pitcher, okay? He's a good pitcher. He's an above average pitcher. But I don't think it's a deal like a Justin Verlander a couple years ago where it guarantees, I see Bob Nightingale riding off this World Series and saying that the Astros are a lock to win the World Series now, already giving them the commissioner's trophy. 
I mean, look, they might win the World Series, but it's not going to be because Zach Granke was the final deal that put them over the top. I mean, they already have a really nice, they already have a really nice rotation with Verlander, with Cole. You got Wade Miley really having a solid year. And the thing about Zach Granke, no one thought that it was possible to move Zach Granke because of that contract. That contract is a lot of money. There's still $77 million owed to Zach Granke. Also, he had a really big no-trade clause. So he had a lot of teams on that no-trade list, but guess what? The Houston Astros were not one of those teams. Zach Greinke from Orlando, Florida, used to know state tax, and you go to Houston, you go to Houston, he's going to secure even more of that bag. So really, to, the, to, to Major League Baseball, first and foremost, I really think you need to push this deadline back. You need to stop with the hard deadline. I was waiting for Commissioner Rob Manfred after that 1, 1, 1 p.m. hard deadline. You saw Tom Ferducci with the long face. He was talking about, hey, these teams, no one wants to win now. No one wants to try to be aggressive and win the World Series. Everyone is prospect-hugging. Everyone is trying to do the model like the Houston Astros in 2014 when you really got to tank your way to the top. And look, I'm just saying, I was waiting for Rob Manfred to come out and say, hey, LOL, JK, this is not the hard deadline. We're actually going to move it back. But that wasn't the case. And you saw teams like, basically, I mean, the biggest position player that was moved, you know, Corey Dickerson goes at the deadline. The uh, Yasiel Puig, Reyes, that was pretty big. And look, you, you got teams, I mean, when the most aggressive team, when the most aggressive team is the team in fourth place, the New York Mets, with the 474 win percentage, trading for Marcus Stroman, electing to not move guys like Diaz, like Noah Syndergaard. And look, I understand they have an old owner, they have a team that really wants to go for it, and they think that, hey, if they can get into that wild card game, if if the New York Mets or the Washington Nationals can get into that wild card game with DeGrom, with Corbin, with Scherzer, with, with guys that can really, in a short series, pitch lights out baseball, they think, hey, it's a crapshoot. All you need to do is to get into the tournament and you give yourself an opportunity to win. And I think that's what you see with the Nationals, with the Mets. They think that, hey, hey, anyone can win it. We're not afraid of the Dodgers. We're not afraid of the Cubs, Cardinals, teams like that. And it remains to be seen. It will be an exciting stretch. One thing I do like is that, hey, you do have teams that are staying with it. They do think they can make it run at the wild card. So, yes, you had teams that didn't sell, but then you also have teams at the end that think they're in it, even when they don't. It's really fool's gold for them right now, thinking they are in it. And that's one of the reasons why I think that Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball, they need to move that deadline back. Because one of the reasons why a Pirates, you know, they don't send Felipe Vasquez to the Dodgers is they, one, they know they can keep him, trade him in the offseason, and, hey, they want to just ride this thing out as long as they can, and you have teams that are just not being honest with their peak and what the outcome of their season is going to be because, look, you're going to run into these buzzsaws. The Dodgers, that's a buzzsaw. Astros, Yankees, Red Sox, those are all buzzsaw teams, so do you want to hold on to those players where you could really start to – Get that farm system humming. Get those prospects that can potentially land you World Series appearances in the future. So, hey, I think Major League Baseball, they saw it backfire. They kind of wanted to create this buzz, this madness. 
a la the NBA where you got deals being made and everyone is just refreshing. Everyone's thumbs are getting worn out and this and that. But it did not happen. There were really not very many big moves. And I think the Major League Baseball, you keep that deadline, you extend it. The longer that people have, look, hey, I woke up this morning, and what did I not do this morning? I didn't read all the MLB trade rumors, okay? That's how I start every morning. I'll be honest with you. I start every morning, last couple months, trying to read as many MLB trade rumors as I can, and now the deadline's done. I don't have to do that anymore. You extend the deadline, you keep that interest up, and then also you allow teams to really have a better idea of what their potential is, and then legit sellers can sell and legit buyers can have a better chance of getting players that can help them win now, and you help organizations that need prospects get better players for the future. So I really think they need to change it. I really think that this year it was an experiment that just kind of didn't go as well as they thought. And if you look at the if you look at the New York Yankees, the New York Yankees, they are a team on limited resources, the pinstripes, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, they competed last year in the World Series, all of which really didn't make very many moves. The Dodgers, of course, they did they did pick up a move. They did make some moves, but nothing like you would see that you would think of doing. But the Dodgers did add Adam Kalerik. Adam Kalerik is a guy, he's not that big sexy name, okay? He's not a Felipe Vasquez. He's not a Giles. He's not a top-tier elite closer, a Neralis Chapman, Andrew Miller, along those lines. But he is a much-needed lefty coming out of the pen. Lefties are hitting 187 against him this year. And then he comes from Tampa Bay. Of course, Andrew Freeman came from Tampa Bay to assume that GM role for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the Tampa Bay Rays have one of the best bullpens in Major League Baseball. But they have too many arms, okay? I know you can't ever have too many arms, but they actually did have that problem. Shipped him away to Los Angeles. So... Look, the Dodgers, they at least made a move. They got a lefty. And then, look, I know if you saw the last episode, if you saw the last episode, I was very passionate, very adamant that the Dodgers needed to add Felipe Vasquez to really make this team front runners to win the World Series, to really make this team give themselves a, a big-time all-in all look, an odds-on favorite look, for this Los Angeles Dodgers, they did not secure Felipe Vasquez. And I'm here to tell you that the Dodgers are going to be just fine, okay? I'm going to put this through the spin cycle for Andrew Freeman and the Dodgers and tell you why, Dodger fans. Yes, it was disappointing. Yes, it was a little bit of a letdown. I felt like I was Dustin Hoffman laying in the pool in The Graduate, listening to Simon and Garfunkel telling myself, hello, darkness, my old friend. I was a little bummed for the Dodgers in that aspect because, look, we had been hearing for months that the Dodgers were in the market to add a a big-time arm, and I thought, hey, fine, you don't get Vasquez, fine. We'll take Shane Green as a backup. Fine, we'll take Amir Garrett as a backup. Fine, we'll add Giles, even though he's injured right now. You always thought that, hey, it was plan A, B, C, and D, and when none of those came through, it was a little bit of a letdown for Dodgers Nation out there. 
But this team is going to be fine. They still have an opportunity to make it to the World Series. They just have to figure it out internally, okay? And today, the first step was bringing in Dustin May, who is going to make his first start as the Los Angeles Dodgers. Who knows? He could be like a John Lackey. A John Lackey, he came in at 23, was pivotal in the Angels' success in their World Series run. And this team has really been carried by rookies, along with veterans, and you got a nice blend for this Los Angeles Dodger team. And my player of the day for yesterday, this guy, he can't stop, he won't stop, and of course, it is Will Smith. Will Smith, once again, it's like, how many coming out parties is Will Smith going to have? Okay? How many coming out parties is Will Smith going to have? Yesterday, he hits a grand slam. Yesterday, he hits another bomb. And this guy is just unstoppable. At this point, Will Smith, the actor, when he introduces himself, the people are going to be like, oh, you mean like Will Smith, the uh, uh, the amazing catcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, the goat catcher for the Dodgers, Will Smith, like that Will Smith? And then Will Smith, the actor, the rapper, he's going to be like, yeah, yeah, like that Will Smith. Yeah, yeah, I'm that Will Smith, okay? Because, look, this guy is a superstar, and that's one of the reasons why I was okay with the Dodgers flipping potentially Cabert Ruiz because Will Smith looks like he's going to be the Dodgers catcher for the next 7 to 10 years. I mean, he's breaking all kinds of records, Will Smith. Per Stats, Inc., most RBIs in the first 14 games in his MLB career since 1920, okay? The RBI became an official stat in 1920. Will Smith with 19. He has 19 RBIs in his first 14 games. That placed him fourth behind Jim Greengrass, great name, one of the best baseball last names of all time, Jim Greengrass. Austin Riley with 20 last year with the, with the Atlanta Braves. Mandy Brooks with Chicago in 1925. So this guy is in rare, rare. He's, he's just really taking this league by storm. He's hitting multiple home runs. All of his home runs seem to have a major impact, whether it's walk-offs, come from behind, take the lead. Just the other, his first time getting called back, it was a, it was a scoreless game in the ninth inning, and Will Smith hits a bomb, okay? And this after, minutes after the trade deadline ended, and we're all sad, Dodgers Nation, and then he hits that bomb. Another stat to throw out by Inc. for Will Smith. He ended yesterday with an 884 slugging percentage through 14 career games. That's the highest slugging percentage by an NL player through his first 14 games of his career since the Giants' Willie McCovey in 1959. So, hey, you don't want to be mentioned the same name with a Giant unless it's guys like Willie McCovey, all-time great. So, Kudos to you. Shout out to Will Smith, player of the game last night. But that is going to bring us to our viral sports video of the day. And we're going to stay in baseball. I don't know if you guys saw this. If you guys saw this, I've watched this maybe 1,500 times at this point. But yesterday, the Miami Marlins game, the Miley, you had this dude, he was whistling the National Anthem. This guy was killing it, whistling the National Anthem. Check this out. Play the clip. Performing the Star-Spangled Banner, please welcome from Cirque du Soleil's Corteo and three-time winner of the World Championships in Whistling, Ritz Chartreux.
Ladies and gentlemen, Griet Chatreux. So I just wanted to show him some love, man. It's tough to say his name. It's like Griet Chatreux. Comment t'allez-vous? Je m'appelle Doug. But hey, man, it was a tough. I thought it was Gert Chatra, honestly. But it's Griet Chatreux. And really just want to show him some love because he's not just any, any whistler, okay? He's not a guy who's whistling Dixie when he's bored. This is the world champion whistler. And really, he put on a show to open that game. I mean, I want to see who this guy's dating because you know all he has to do is hit you with a little... And you know he's probably getting models from that. So shout out to you, my man. I could watch that all day. Maybe next time in Vegas. I know he's on Circus Delay. I want to check that out. And next, we're going to touch on some NBA topics. So first, I want to get this one out of the way. I want to touch on LeBron James and the whole Taco Tuesday phenomenon. So the Taco Tuesday phenomenon, once it was cute, then it was pretty funny, mildly entertaining. Now it's starting to starting to offend people, okay? So if you don't know, LeBron James, every Tuesday, he has his Taco Tuesday where he has some gourmet chef. You know there's some gourmet chef cooking up some beautiful tacos. You probably have a Taco Tuesday at home. I have a Taco Bell Tuesday. I go to Taco Bell every Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you want to know stuff to order at Taco Bell, hit me up on Twitter. I'll give you, I'll give you like the best Taco Bell menu items you can get. Definitely one of the secrets is the empanada. Sometimes they run out at the end of the night. But anyways, I digress. But getting back to LeBron James, you know what he shows? He shows the tacos, and he goes, Taco Tuesday! Then he goes after everyone on the table, and then he gets them to say Taco Tuesday. And it's gotten to the point where you got people making songs about it. Check this out. Someone made a song, a compilation of the Taco Tuesdays. Play the clip. Because it's Taco Tuesday. Now, this is where it starts to get dicey. Yes, it's all fun and games. I don't think LeBron is mean-spirited about it. But when he starts making sounds that could potentially offend anyone, I'm of the belief if it offends anyone on a racial level, you got to wipe it away, okay? You can't do it because that's all it takes is one, in my opinion, because no one deserves to be offended in any capacity. And here's Clay Travis. I don't think it's this, this is as extreme as Clay Travis is making it out to be, but here's Clay Travis who says, quote, on Twitter, Here's social justice warrior LeBron James, who was offended by the word posse, pretending to be Mexican on Taco Tuesday. Can you imagine if a prominent white, black, or Hispanic athlete pretended to be black while eating fried chicken? So that was his response, and a lot of people are having this debate right now that is LeBron has LeBron gone too far? Hey, I think if you're tacos, you're raising your hand saying, hey, taco sales are up, LeBron, keep doing it. But maybe you want to lose anything, any any additional sounds. Look, I, you might not know this, but my all-time favorite is Looney Tunes. Okay, I'm a big Looney Tunes fan. Love Bugs Bunny. I used to be called Bugs Bunny Teeth because my, my two front teeth were bigger than my whole body until I was like 12. Okay, and 
they have actually Cartoon Network has actually banned like six. They have six hundred uh, Speedy Gonzalez cartoons on the shelf because they offend some people. Okay, and if that's the case, and this and that, and they kind of think that it, 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 it's stereotypes and that, then you got to wipe it away. So LeBron, I'm just telling you, my man. If you're offending anyone, you can still have your Taco Tuesdays, but don't make any sounds. Don't make anything that could be stereotyping or offending people. I think you got to do away with that. And next, I want to talk about Carmelo Anthony. So Carmelo Anthony, he's doing everything in his power to get back in the NBA. He wants one more crack at an NBA career. He's only 35 years old. He thinks he can still contribute to our team. He only played 10 games last year with the Houston Rockets. And I'm here to tell you, Carmelo Anthony can still help an NBA team win games. Carmelo Anthony can still play in the NBA against second units coming off the bench. Okay, that is the thing with Carmelo Anthony. He needs to understand he's not a starter. He needs to understand he, he will be coming off the bench. He will be that eighth, that sixth, seventh, eighth guy. He will be playing against, seven, uh, against second units. I do think he can help a team like the Golden State Warriors. Like, I want to see him potentially go to the Charlotte Hornets. You know, he's a Jordan brand guy. I would like to see Michael Jordan give him one last shot, but he's got to mellow out. Spare me. He is half Puerto Rican, so you got to spare me a big pun, okay? And he's got to mellow out and just understands that, look, if he wants to come back and take this role, Paul Pierce did it at the end of his career, okay? Some never do it, okay? Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James probably won't. Some never will do it. Even Dwayne Wade did it, okay? But the thing with Carmelo Anthony is just defensively. Defensively, teams hunt him, okay? You see him out there. They see him in the pick and roll, and they hunt him down. And really, we're in the age of NBA where it's about analytics. And it's about defensively, if he's a turnstile out there, and all he's doing is committing fouls, it really makes it tough. But just looking into it, he did not get a fair shake with the Houston Rockets. Now, here's something that has never been said about Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony is widely and universally considered to be one of the most respectful class acts again to reporters, okay? I want you to look at any clip of Carmelo Anthony talking to the media. This guy is gregarious. This guy is thoughtful in his responses, and then Sham Sharkania of The Athletic, an anonymous source told Sham Sharkania the reason why he's not in the league, because he's still worthy, is he hasn't mentally taken the step back to say, okay, I'll come in, play against backups. I'll try to help the team out. I know I might not be able to close, but I just want to help. Well, well he's not there yet. Okay, so that tells you what I just told you. He needs to mellow out on his role, okay, because he really needs to, to find a way to look within himself and say, look, the NBA, this thing, this ship is sailing very quickly here, okay, and I might not get it one more chance to strap it up, put on that jersey, and look at the crowd and say, hey, this get the ovation he deserves because Carmelo Anthony, look, Carmelo Anthony, I remember – Watching him in 2009 in the Western Conference Finals, he went toe to toe with Kobe Bryant. Okay, if Co- they the, that Denver Nuggets team was stacked. Okay, Chauncey Billups, Kenyon Martin, J.R. Smith was lethal with that squad, but they were led by 
none other than Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony averaged almost 28 points that series, and he was a handful for Kobe Bryant. And if the Nuggets win that series... They're winning that NBA title, so this could be a whole different narrative about Carmelo Anthony. He could have been a nugget lifer, and as he told Stephen A. Smith this morning, hey, the whole narrative that I forced my way to New York, yes, he wanted to be in New York, but he also made it clear that he loved Denver, okay? But he got word behind the scenes that Denver was not going to pay up certain guys. Denver was not going to move forward with Chauncey Billups and Kenyon Martin. They wanted to rebuild. They wanted to get younger, and uh, Carmelo Anthony says, hey, I wanted to be in New York, and if they're not going to really, if they don't have this vision for being a championship contending team for the next five to ten years, I got to find a way to get into a situation where I'll be, look, give him credit. He's the only guy that we know of that said, hey, I'll take that pressure. I'll take that Madison Square Garden pressure. And guess what? He has the, the single game record, 62 points. He has the 62-point game in New York, and he says, hey, New York, that's home to me. He won a national title with the Syracuse Orangemen, and he took that, title, took that, that, that challenge head on. It did not work out, but look who was around it, man. It was surrounded by butter knives, and he was going to war with butter knives in New York, and he really did not have an opportunity to compete there. Still took him to a second round. They won 55 games one year under Mike Woodson, but just looking into the numbers, Another quote real quick, though, want to give you from the Sham Sharkania piece uh, from an anonymous source says, he was amazing here. And talking about Oklahoma City. He was amazing here, a real teammate, and great with coaches. It's unfortunate what happened. Okay? So his reputation, so you're telling me he's not a locker room cancer. You're telling me he gets along with the media. You're telling me he's a good team guy, but for some reason he's not on – He's not on an NBA team, and that really is because it's his body language. It's his vibe. I watched a lot of Oklahoma City games when he was there. If he's not in the game, you see him. He's staring over the coaches. He, he gives you the impression, I want to be in this game and competing. So that's really the thing. If he comes and he meets a team says, look, I just want to be on the team. Whatever happens it is a meritocracy. If I earn playing time, then that's what it is. But other than that, you guys don't owe me anything then I think that Carmelo Anthony deserves another shot. Like I said, he can still play against NBA teams against their second unit coming off the bench, okay? He's not a starter. He, if he's hot one night, one night it's vintage. It's vintage Carmelo Anthony, okay? He's on fire. Then you let him close the game, and that's what it comes down to. But if you look at it, the Rockets did him dirty, okay? The Houston Rockets sent him on the first Rocket out of town, after going 1 of 11, 0 of 6 from 3 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And after that, Daryl Morey reportedly goes up to him in his hotel room and says, hey, we're releasing you. So I don't love that. I do not love that Daryl Morey of the Houston Rockets. But just looking into his numbers right here, his usage percentage went to 23.2% when he was on the court. And it, that his career average was 30.8%, okay? His three-point attempt rate of 40.6%, that was more than double his career average. So it's showing you that he is willing to adapt. It's showing you that, hey, fine, I'm a mid-range specialist, but I'm going to shoot more threes now because that's what the NBA wants. You want me to keep the ball in my hands more? Fine, my usage rate drops. So I really think that also, if you look at it too, in Oklahoma City in the 2017-2018 season, he shot 
the uh, three-pointers at a 37.3% clip, and that's that's good enough to be in the NBA. That is a, a, a good enough, a solid enough mark to warrant a shot on a roster, and these are the two teams I'm looking at. I'm looking at Charlotte. I think Michael Jordan, Carmelo Anthony. You know Jordan Brand, they're a very tight family, and you you think that, and look, Carmelo Anthony, I mean, they, they lost star power in Kemba Walker. Who's going to put butts in the seats if you, uh, for, for, uh, for the Charlotte Hornets? You never know. You put them in the East and a little revenge tour. I think Charlotte is a, is a move that can be made. I also like the Golden State Warriors, okay? One, Klay Thompson is going to be out until March. Okay, by the way, Klay Thompson, he said that, hey, I'm going to come back more athletic than ever, so watch out for Klay. I'm scared of Klay Thompson, okay? Uh, uh, He has one of the great fear-in-your-eye looks in sports right now. I'm afraid of Klay Thompson. So I'm also thinking the Warriors, they bring Carmelo Anthony in, okay, and you put him with Russell, you put him with – with Steph Curry and that system, all that spacing, I like him. And Draymond Green handles on defense. I'm telling you, Carmelo Anthony and the Warriors makes a lot of sense, especially if he's willing to embrace this role like a Boogie Cousins took. So I, I, I'm feeling for you, Carmelo Anthony. I think they've done you dirty. I don't think I, I don't know if I mentioned this yet. My sports fact of the day is Carmelo Anthony is just one of three uh, Team USA players to pl- to represent his country in three Olympics. The other two, the Admiral, that makes sense, David Robinson, and also LeBron James. So he's paid his dues. He's won gold medals. He's won a national championship uh, in college. He made it way further than Tracy McGrady ever did. Carmelo Anthony, you're an, you're an all-time great player. They're doing you dirty, my man. You deserve one more chance at it. And I'll, I'll, I'll end this on a tweet by, by Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, just uh, he said, hashtag vote for Mellow farewell season. Hashtag stop playing Mellow. Okay, I'm with you, Dame Dollar. By the way, I love this Damian Lillard. I love the fact I saw you, Damian Lillard. You're doing great. You get you uh you uh he went up to all these kids and said, hey, you guys take anything you want. All you guys can pick five shoes out, five shoes out. So from the store. Damian Lillard treated them to a little shopping spree. I thought that was really cool. And we're going to end today on some eSports. Some eSports. And we're going to be talking about the Fortnite World Cup. If you don't know Fortnite, then you probably don't know a kid between the ages of 2 and 14. Okay? Because Fortnite is their life. I'm telling you. If you want to know what a 12-year-old kid doing right now, they're hanging out. Even Cody Bellinger, Cody Bellinger of the Los Angeles Dodgers, he walks around with his monitor when they go on the road so he can play some Fortnite. So Fortnite, you buy the skins. I'm telling you, I've played it. It's kind of, it's, it's like a first-person shooter game. It, this thing is addicting, okay? You thought Candy Crush was addicting. No, Fortnite, you will forget what day it is, okay? Your beard will grow. It's like that episode of South Park with the Minecraft and the mom has to come down with Cartman, that whole thing. You remember that scene, okay? It's like that, but in real life. And Sen Buga, Sen Buga, he won $3 million. Now, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit this. I'm not embarrassed to admit the fact that I watched the way this played out. I watched it on YouTube, okay? You had guys like FaZe Tifu, FaZe Rafu, some of the best Fortnite players in the world, and nope, it's Sen Buga. He comes out. He gets that $3 million. 
And I'm just loving it for this kid. I mean, I'm just loving it. I mean, I'm playing video games. I I wish I had this excuse. When I was a kid, playing Mario Kart, playing Street Fighter, playing Madden, I wish that I had this excuse. The only thing I had was, Mom, it's helping my hand-eye coordination. It's helping my hand-eye coordination. That was all I had. Now these guys say, hey, Mom, how would you like a new mansion? Okay, how would you like a Beamer, a Benz? Who do you think is going to pay for these bills if I don't keep playing this Fortnite? So these kids have the ammo against their parents because, look, it's a very lucrative profession as evidenced by Sen Buga. Who gets it done? And I want to salute Sen Buga, man, because he was just killing it. He dominates, and he gets that $3 million. Oh, and in other e-gaming news, Ninja, he's leaving Twitch for a new Microsoft platform. Ninja, this guy's a superstar. Have you, have you ever seen an athlete meet Ninja? I saw Neymar meet him. He was starstruck, okay? Athletes will meet Ninja, a video gamer, and they're like, it's like they met Elvis Presley or one of the Beatles or, or, or the President of the United States. They are starstruck and blown away by this guy, and he has 14 million Twitch followers. He's taking that to Microsoft. So look out for e-gaming. It's coming quick. The NBA 2K leagues, they have drafts and stuff. So, hey, don't fall behind you, you got to respect these gamers. Got to respect the thumbs, man. Their thumb game is strong in the e-gaming world. But shout out to you, Sanbuga. You make $3 million, and this guy is probably living it up, man. This guy is probably living it up. But that is going to do it for Episode 33 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Thanks for rocking with us once again. Got a huge week of shows, a huge week of shows coming for you next week. So a couple things. Tell your friends about the show. Definitely subscribe, like, rate, write a review, all that great stuff. But thanks again. I appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend, and I'm out.